This is episode 43 of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland with Mike Fleischman and Matt Mellon-Fetter. Today we're talking about preseason week one where the Green Bay Packers opened their season at home at Lambeau with a 28-26 victory over the Houston Texans. Jeez. My, your school photographer used to say, say cheese pizza. And that's what the cheese at the end reminded me. Cheese. Say cheese pizza. <laughs> cheese heads in Chicagoland, best podcast about the Green Bay Packers coming to you from the beautiful south side of state of me, Mike Fleischman. I am joined for episode 43 preseason week one, as I usually am. It's Matt Mellemsetter. Hey, man. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Real good. Uh, overcast outside i'm looking outside and finding topics to talk about weird weird day today but i've been on the phone with tech support all morning oh that's not what you want that's happen. not what i've been driving down off here all morning i heard it's supposed to rain later today uh prayers prayers to the the man that be the prayers rain up God. Um, i am hoping to get out of my house at some point today so okay. i prefer if it wasn't pouring uh, shout well, out to the guy who just walked out, my neighbor who walked out of his house across the street and sat his Bud Light down. Yeah. Like, well, you should tell him that he can't have that outside. Before, le- before leaving the premises. That's actually illegal, and we don't. Wow, I break so many laws yeah, here. We shouldn't. Uh-uh. Hey, <laughs> mister, put that inside. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, we have uh, we've had a good summer. I know we've both been we've both been around. This podcast disappeared yeah. for almost two months, more than two months, which is... A totally normal thing because football disappeared. Yep, during and that I, time, and I disappeared for a little bit you did. too. So, so did I. Yeah. I. I made a, I made a full circle of Lake Michigan, coming, going through Wisconsin, up through the Upper Peninsula, across the Mackinac Bridge, and then back down through the Lower Peninsula. Fun, all the way back around home to Chicago, camping and and drinking beers and and hanging out with uh, folks and family along the way. Um, you've been out a little bit. What have you been up to? Uh, well, I've been in South Dakota a lot. Um, I've been back a few times. I had a few weddings. I had one of my best friends from high school get married. It's He's, wedding season, man. It's wedding season. There's lots of young men and women getting uh, connected to life to their significant other. Congratulations to them. I can tell you've been listening to wedding sermons yeah. just by the fact that you yep. use the phrase yep. connected to life. Yep. Heard a lot. Heard way too many minutes of wedding sermons uh, in my summer. Um, outside of that, I've kind of just been doing nothing, man. It's been great. Did you have, did you get to witness any friends of the bride and groom playing songs at the wedding? That's kind of, as a musician, that's kind of one of my favorite things about weddings is the, uh, the people they get to play the songs because sometimes you're shocked in that, like, oh my God, this guy can really, really play. And sometimes you're just like, well, (laughs) yeah, you know, here's what I'm going to say is that, um, it, it, it one of the weddings there was a band and they did a good job and no one played any music there's no playlist it was just a band of people playing the music and then at the other one you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna keep it real with you i don't remember much of it we were okay we were we were keep it real let's with let's go let's go okay. let's we smuggled some white claws in and we there was there was a wedding where where someone during the service had asked their friends to like you know one was a guitar player one was a singer to play a, a song by iron and wine okay which is sort of a you know a folky yeah 
folky, quiet music. Some of them are good for weddings. Most of Iron Wine is about heartbreak, so I have no idea how that works <laughs> sure. out. Maybe not but, the best. But yeah, this but... one was pretty good for it. And, you know, it's just one of those moments where you're sitting in the back row and, you know, you're watching a guitar player experience their worst nightmare. Yeah. In that they're on stage and they're unable to play the material presented. <laughs> and there's a singer along with them. And they're like, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> ah, the next five minutes is going to be rough. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Wedding season, man. Uh, watch out. Coming in about uh, three years from wedding season's baby season. Oh, I know. One of my friends who got married last year, she's 21, maybe 22, told me the other day that she is expecting. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, well, she was like, there's a little uh, child coming. And she said her, her, you know, her, wedding her married name now not her maiden name the name that i knew her from but her her new name and i said oh are his parents having another kid and she's like no Ooh, nice me and i was smooth. like oh. oh i was like you're like 21 <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing <laughs> um so yeah i don't know that's how my summer's gone <laughs> christmas comes early yeah all right we all get prizes uh yeah <laughs> Football. Football's yeah, no, now. it's it's kind of back. Um, we had a game that didn't really mean anything. It's the Houston Texans the other day. Um, well, what it does is it gives all of us a chance to see what we wanted to see, which is the Matt LaFleur Green Bay Packers. Yeah. And preseason isn't going to tell us everything we need to know, but it's going to tell, tell us a few things we need to know. I want to kind of break down the scoring drives in this game. But on ahead of it, I think my biggest thing in watching this game, the eye test that I think passed was that this was a team that was ready to play the game. Yeah. Which is yep. something that I have not seen in about a year. Oh, I, I something I haven't seen in what feels like much longer mm. than a year. Maybe two years, three years. Of course, no one involved in, no one real important involved in this yeah. game. I think outside of Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage for one si series, mm -hmm. no one really on offense that we were expecting to get a lot of contributions out from outside of Elton Jenkins, possibly. Yep. Everyone else is a either second string or further back, hopeful kind of guy playing for the Packers. But some aggressiveness early, especially with the first half, which was all Deshaun Kaiser and most of the the second string, third string guys, some of the more guaranteed roster spot guys. Yeah. Packers took a little bit to keep things going. They uh, they punted on their first two drives, but they did create a turnover on the Texans' first drive, mm -hmm. and we got to look at one of the guys that you've been high on from the moment he was drafted, Yep, and that's Kadar Holman. Kadar and Holman. Of course, we're talking about a preseason game in which the Texans ran out Joe Webb. Yeah. And Joe Webb... Um, After A.J. McCarron gets hurt and is yeah. no longer able to play. Joe Webb, not not particularly good at, at being an NFL quarterback. Underthrew his receiver on a deep post, Coming yep. to the far sideline, Kadar Holman, nice read, had great position and was just in position to make the play. It's a textbook interception. It's one of those baseline NFL player kind yeah. of plays in that your baseline NFL player makes that play all the time yeah. on a ball that bad. And it was nice to see Kadar Holman do a football thing, do a I belong yeah. in the NFL thing. It's not going to be one of those, that's the best secondary play I've seen. Totally kind of things but it's just exactly what he was supposed to do and i and i think it's more than just a baseline nfl play 
NFL player play. I think it's a baseline NFL starter play. Mm-hmm. I think it's a baseline of a good NFL player play. I mean, this ball wasn't that underthrown. If Kadar Holman doesn't cut it off, it's a completion. But Kadar Holman makes the right read and is able to undercut it before the receiver makes the play. It's something that we saw Jair Alexander do a couple times last year. And it is a really, really impressive play, even if it's something that you expect an NFL starter to do. And it's your read on Coleman as well, is that yes. he's extremely aggressive, very fast. Great ball skills. Not not afraid of being out there and, and being asked to make plays. First two Packers drive ends in punts, but that gives us a look at J.K. Scott on the second drive. The Packers are punting from their own 40-yard line, and J.K. Scott puts all of his leg into yeah. this punt. It completely crosses up QT, the Texans' return man. He tries to double back on it, get back underneath it, when really what he should have done was walk over to the sidelines and take his bounce. helmet off. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it hits him in the shoulder, and St. Brown, the gunner, on the play is able to get down. And what you end up seeing is, is that technically a turnover? I think so. It's a Texans turnover. Followed, it's, followed by a special teams touchdown. Scored as a which, fumble. Can you remember the last time you saw a special teams touchdown from the Packers? Like week one, Josh Jackson. Yeah. Blocked, uh, Geronimo Allison mm-hmm. blocked punt. Josh Jackson recovers the touchdown. That sort of special teams awareness and aggressiveness has been sorely lacking. Yeah. So by Ron Zook. Yep. You see, the first two, the first two offensive series with Kaiser at the helm don't really do anything, but the first two defensive series result in an interception and a special teams plus play. And I think the key to these first two Deshaun Kaiser possessions is that they end in kicks. They do not end in a turnover. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Kaiser emphasized after the game is he was like, the whole key for me this year is to take care of the football more. These are ending in kicks. They're not ending in turnovers like they have last year and the year before with the Browns. These are possessions that are ending with our control. And I think that's key to Kaiser's development going forward. I think another thing that we're going to want to look for in Kaiser, I'll hit one bullet point before we keep on with the the game recap, is that Kaiser is very good when he likes read one. Yes. When he likes read one, he's fantastic. He's so good. When he doesn't like read one, things tend to get very weird. Yeah. Uh, we saw in this, uh, I believe it was on that second drive, a penalty uh, where he basically turned his entire offensive line around by making a triple move, yeah. trying to escape the pocket yep. because he didn't like read one. He yep. still had time yeah. when he made that triple move. Sometimes he still breaks down a yep. little bit. Yeah, he, he his mechanics fully broke down multiple times when he had to move off of read one, and which is just so odd because when you watch him drop back, make read one, and see the throw and make it throw, Oh, he's beautiful. He, he is as technical as you could ever want. And he's he's got the arm of anyone in the NFL. Yep. Man. When he when when Kaiser's hitting off that top step, when he's hitting off that last step in his drop and delivering to read one, he looks like an NFL starter. He looks like a ready to go NFL starter. It's once you force him to make read two, make read three, keep progressing is when he kind of breaks yep. down and you go, Okay, he's a backup. And as a backup for the Packers, he's a 22-year-old sitting kid. sitting behind an NFL MVP and first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not so much that I want him to turn into a guy who can go from read one to read two to read three with a quick scan and then make a decision in rhythm as to which one he wants to go to. I want his read two to be start sprinting forward. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Is uh, just yeah. duck it under. Don't make a dumb play. 
And he's big. He's strong. He's tough. He's 23 years old. Become a running back. He's 23 years old, too. So there, there's my quick Deshaun Kaiser note. More on him later. So the offensive uh, offensive series after the uh, after the Packers touchdown becomes a Texans fumble. This is a very good play. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Will Redmond who made the recovery. Another guy. Raven Green pops it out. Yep. And a hell of a play by Raven Green. Yeah, and when you're talking about Raven Green, I saw him be out of out of position a couple of times mm-hmm. and try to tackle with his shoulders. Um, I'm going to CC Tony Brown on that yeah. memo yep. of tackling with your shoulder. Uh, but Redmond in a place to grab the ball. Great heads-up play by the defense. And again, just aggressiveness on defense where they need it. Yeah. Taking the ball away from the Texans, it's so refreshing. Yeah, and, and what we saw a lot in this game is Raven Green kind of playing that Oren Burks, nickelback, linebacker-type Josh Jones hybrid role that we saw a little bit last year, and he played really well in that role. He's a willing tackler. Even if he's not mm-hmm. an exceptional tackler, he's interested in getting into the mix and throwing a shoulder in. Even if he's not going to tackle him, he's going to slow him down so somebody else can come out. And we didn't see Josh Jones in this game. He, he wasn't suited up. Oren Burks left early. Yep, torn pectoral muscle. Torn pectoral muscles, so that's most likely a season-ending injury. Yep, which which sucks. is really tough for Oren Burks. Yeah, because this was supposed to be his coming-out party. Yeah, and this he, year after not really seeing the field last year, he was playing with he was playing with an injury last season that mm-hmm. limited his mobility. So they didn't you didn't see him very much, but he's out most likely on IR for the entire season. And he looked great all training camp. He did, mm-hmm. and. His replacement is going to be a big question, and I think I bring this up here because his replacement in game one against the Texans in this preseason was Summers, their late draft pick from this draft. And I think that although Summers showed some really impressive stuff on this drive in particular for the Texans, which gets them the score, which is 14 plays, 61 yards, a uh, one-yard run in for Crockett to finish it off, (laughs) what you saw Joe Webb doing, and I'll – Joe Webb, not very good, but Joe Webb, also 10-year veteran, no, yeah. no dummy. No, not not. Joe not Webb would, and the entire offensive plan on that drive was to key on Summers Yeah, and to force him to be in a position to make a play. Summers was a step slow on his diagnosis and on his reaction. Mm-hmm. And so you saw a lot of runs up the middle. You saw a lot of passes yep. through the middle. You saw a lot of flat work where Summers had to be able to go over and create an angle to get a stop. He didn't get it a few times. So... Big question for the Packers right now is inside linebacker because if Joe Webb can take you apart, there's work to be done. Yep, and and Ty Summers had about had ten tackles in the game, but wasn't you know flawless making all of those reads. The other replacement that's been mentioned by a number of, of Packers beat reporters and stuff is uh, Curtis Bolton, who's an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma, um, who was considered one of the best blitzers in the draft class last year. Um, he had four sacks at Oklahoma, four and a half sacks at Oklahoma, 13 tackles for loss, and 139 tackles. He was a, a all-Big 12 honorable mention. Um, he'll fit with that kind of linebacking core because we know how much Mike Patton loves the double A-gap blitzes, and that's where he would come into play in that rotation. I think Ty Summers would likely be more of an every-down guy where Bolton will be in kind of for those blitzing downs, for those 
times when Mike Patton wants to bring some pressure and hide it and conceal it. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth noting that your your game plan for this particular game, especially on that drive, Ty Summers was in the Blake Martinez role. Yes. Yep. Of the, the stay-home linebacker. Yep. And Ty Summers most likely, everyone cross your fingers, knock on wood, whatever you need to do, is most likely not going to have to fill in for Blake Martinez yeah, this season. So you're, he's going to be playing more of a complementary role. You've got Josh Jones. I know I've, I've heard it suggested and read the suggestion that maybe Josh Jones could be turned via trade into an inside linebacker. Uh, my question is, if you've got a guy like Jones who's been aggressive and has requested a trade based mainly on the fact that he wants to play, why not just make him <laughs> Why not <laughs> see if it works? Yeah. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't want to play that role. He wants okay. to be the safety. But, hey, buddy, if you're not very good, you don't get the pick where you get on yeah, the field. Yeah, maybe. You get on the field and you make your impression, and then you'll play where you want to play. You know, and, and by doing that, like, you give, you give a guy an opportunity for a guy who really wants an opportunity, but if he's terrible at it, you may have just sunk any ability you yeah. have to get any sort of recompense for him. Yeah. So, unknown what the going forward there is. Ty Summer didn't look bad. Just looked like he was not able to look like a seventh round yeah, draft pick playing in his, his first, first NFL, NFL preseason game. game. Yeah, yeah. If if he can if he can learn from that and and get coached up from that, that's good. If he can't, you know, it's it's a seventh round draft. Yeah, it's a seventh round draft pick. You're going to be all right. Uh, Green Bay responds, gets a touchdown. This was Kaiser's lone, uh, not lone, his first touchdown drive of the game, mm-hmm. and it came. The touchdown came on a third and four. Darius Shepard goes up and get a ball. Yeah, Darius Shepard might be a, a sleeper to make this roster. He's been great out of the slot. He's a good kick returner, punt returner. I don't know if we see if I if we see Trevor Davis on this team. I think Darius Shepard could take that role on this roster. I think the the problem that right now isn't isn't so much that he's not playing well. It's that I've also seen some, especially here in game one, you got to see Jake Kumaro roll out there with the yeah. starters. Oh, and I can't. Darius Shepard made a good grab on a high ball in the end zone. Jake mm-hmm. Kumaro did something I think yeah. is more difficult, which is several times made a tightly contested catch over the middle yeah. against NFL starters. There's no way that Jake Kumaro, at this point in time, I can't see Jake Kumaro not making the roster. Unless he gets injured, I can't see Jake Kumaro not making this roster. And I think that brings up, difficult point uh, which I saw from Peter Bukowski on Twitter today which is that it's hard to see Kumaro and Geronimo Allison on the same receiving core because they play so much of the same role which is this kind of not athletic dependable route runner can they exist on the same roster I think they can but that means that one of these athletic younger wide receivers won't be making the roster somebody who can add value on special teams, somebody who can add value as a returner, as a gunner, won't be making the team. I think it's possible that unless they extend to seven or eight wide receivers, which at which point you're sacrificing depth in perhaps more important other positions. I think it's very possible that you see Kumaro on this roster as well as Shepard, and perhaps you don't see Mercedes Lewis Ah, in the tight end group. With Bob Tanya playing as well as he's played, I think that's maybe yes, a possibility. Large Robert Tanyan, of course, large behind Robert, yeah. Jimmy Graham and Jay Sternberger now as well, who has been nagging, has had nagging injury. Yeah, he he, he got popped in the uh, Texans he, joint practice. Yeah, he got popped by Lonnie Lonnie Johnson. Um, 
on a kind of an illegal hit across the middle in practice, um, which Sternberger uh, wasted no time posting a picture on Instagram of him stiff arming stiff arming Lonnie Johnson in college sure. um, as a reply. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more more on more on joint practices coming up later, but for now the. Uh... The Texans respond to that drive. That drive made it 14-7 in favor of the Packers. Shepard, that was that was a good pro play. Yeah. And another another job of Kaiser making read one and putting a perfect ball. Yeah. Up there for Shepard. Texans get a field goal to uh to to end the half at that point. So they make it 14-10 at the end of the half. And then they get the ball in the third quarter to get things started. And on second 20, Joe Webb trying to put one out for Adams, picked off by Sullivan. Sullivan, a guy we have never talked about. Shannon Sullivan. Yeah. On, um, on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Undrafted free agent um, out of Georgia State. This is his second season. I think he was with the Eagles last year. Um. A little bit like I, I don't think he's really played much in his career. Um, I doubt he makes the roster. He's a guy on the team. He's a guy on guy the team. He's a, right cam- now. he's a camp body. He's a body to fill the roster through the preseason. Um, had a pretty decent game here in the, the the preseason, but you know I can't see him making it over somebody like Ibrahim Campbell, who's familiar with this defense and played so well last year, who he just brought back. Um. I love to see stuff like this from camp guys that you know are going to be cut. I know a lot of fans' immediate reactions to seeing a fringe player make a big play in a preseason game is to immediately try and reshuffle their board to yeah. get Shannon on. Sullivan onto the roster. Yep. I look at it as a matter of, like, Shannon Sullivan just fired up his entire position group and made sure that the burner is hot yeah. underneath another couple of bubble guys. Yep, he made sure that burner was hot underneath Josh Jones. Yeah. The Josh Jones, the Raven Green, those kind of guys. I mean, even Abraham Campbell, potentially. Um, he's keeping that burner and that stove warm underneath their little their bellies, their butts. So that creates a first and goal at the three. For the Packers, they only needed eight plays to get the touchdown in, in this situation. This was where you saw Jamon Moore kind of make his entrance into the game at a, uh, at a drop earlier. Yep. And... Managed to make the touchdown grab on a little uh, little out route. Yeah, he's just really struggled in games. Mm-hmm. Jamon Moore will look great in camp, will look great in practice, but will then just struggle so much to keep his eye on the ball once he gets into the game. He's got that quick twitch athleticism that we were, we showered Devontae Adams with praise for, but Jamon Moore just doesn't go through the play. I want to bring us all back to Devontae Adams' first year as a yes, Packer. and second year. In which he had many problems. Yeah. That well, I, looked I, very similar to Jamon Moore's problems. And I, and I think his problems almost got worse that second year because he went through that phase where he was dropping just about everything. Um, and by the time his third year started, everything was gone. And he was practically flawless. Yep. I, think, I think a lot of... If, if there is a similarity between... Adams in his early career and Jamon Moore in his early career, it will know it by him still being on the roster. And if there's a real difference between it, we'll know it by him not being on the roster. Yep. But uh, Kumaro and Shepard had very good 
preseason game number one. So Jamon Moore made his road a little bit higher. Yeah. Or made his hill a little bit steeper. Is I think the metaphor I'm searching for there. Not precisely sure what metaphor I'm looking for there. And it, it's a crowded wide receiver room. It too. is. Um, there's a, a, a quote from Lafleur on Alan Lazard. Um, who Lafleur says, all you've got to do is turn on the tape, and he's the first guy down on kickoff every single time. We're going to reward guys who give that effort. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and Alan Lazard also had a fantastic play going up over Lonnie Johnson to grab a touchdown from 27 I was going to say, it's not just effort that we've seen from Lazard. It's not, he and, showed, and he Alan, showed an NFL catch. Yeah, and Alan Lazard is a, I, I was so excited. I, I expected the Packers to draft him uh, a year ago. They didn't. They signed him as an undrafted free agent. Um, hey, buddy. There's a cat appearance today. Guest appearance from uh, from Jason. This Hi, is Jason. a rare guest appearance. I haven't seen you in the house Jason. before, Jason. Jason's a sweetheart, but he's he's always he's always he's a skittish out. fellow. Yeah. he's a he's an addict dweller during the day. Um, I am a little bit allergic to cats, so we're gonna hear a few sniffles here going on. Um, but Lazard, out of Iowa State, six foot five, two hundred twenty-seven pounds. He's a Big body and a great route runner with fantastic hands who can elevate and go get it. He's not super fast. I think he ran like a four six seven, almost like a four seven. Um, but man, he's crisp on his routes. He can elevate. He can go up over the top of people. We saw that in the first preseason game. He's been a bit of an ongoing project for the Packers. We'll see if that project turns into a roster spot this year. If it continues as maybe a practice practice roster kind yeah. of thing or an insurance policy. Tim Boyle is your quarterback at this point. Tim Boyle is a guy who threw the uh, the quick touchdown to Jamon Moore to end that mm-hmm. eight play goal line situation off the turnover. Then Tim Boyle on after the Texans turn it over on downs comes out and leads a, a 77 yard five play touchdown drive. I love this one out of Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle looked good. And as much as you've, if you've got two guys competing for quarterback two spot on the Packers, you've got Deshaun Kaiser who is who is creative, who is quick, who likes the open field, is technically very sound on read one, as we've talked about. Yep. Tim Boyle, meanwhile, is an absolute wild card. He will throw that ball as hard as he possibly can everywhere. He he will spray the field. He will go any direction. He won't move around very much, but nope. when you give him a clean pocket, he is ridiculous, and he is more accurate than a lot of these like young guy yeah, laser rocket arm prospects Josh that come Allen's. in and just just whip things around. Yeah, Boyle can put it on you. Yeah, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when I'm looking for like a comparison between what I see Boyle just doing physically and like with actual established NFL quarterbacks, good names. Yeah, come up like I. You see a pocket passer like that, and you think like, well, I haven't seen someone whip it around like that since you know Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. He's got an arm like Jake Cutler, who, not a great quarterback, but a massive yep. arm, who will put a ball on you if you're paying attention enough. Um, yeah, man, I really, I really, really like Tim Boyle. It just sucks that Deshaun Kaiser is the one likely going to get the roster spot because yep. Kaiser is. I see them keeping three this year. You see him keeping three yeah, this year. I, if if Boyle continues to look like that, I think they've got to. He can't, he can't slip him through to the practice squad if he's looking like this. Yep, I I think the I think the idea being is that if you are looking for another, 
if you are looking at a, a, a non-Aaron Rodgers season, mm-hmm. I think you have to look just as much at Tim Boyle as you do at Kaiser. Yeah. If you're looking for like a Rodgers has to go out for a quarter, yeah. or we you know we don't know what the future holds, then Kaiser is yeah. is going in immediately. But Tim Boyle is doing some interesting things. This was a very very good drive. Yeah. He all he just missed Lazard on a play that was actually a pass interference. Forty yards. Late. Forty. Yeah. And that was, it didn't, it isn't so much that he missed is so much that he overthrew Lazard just a little bit. And yeah. Lazard was tangled up. Yeah. Where if which, he's, he's not tangled up, there's a chance he makes a plan. If that's Devontae Adams. Yeah. And if that's Devontae, Devontae Adams, Adams has a step. Or EQ. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a step on him. Yeah. And you saw him ended up with a uh, 27 yard absolute dart. Just, yeah. Just a dart and a beautiful throw. A place that only Lazard could go get it over the top of Lonnie Johnson. Yeah. A lot of technical stuff from Boyle is very good. The yeah. release is very good. Th- that stuff was pretty good last year. It has improved. Yes. He he had a good offseason to get to this point. The Texans respond with a 75-yard touchdown drive. At that point, it is 28-16. to Jarrell Adams catches a six-yard pass. At this point, you are... Uh, you're dealing with really some of the back-end guys yeah. on both sides. Uh, we get to see Reggie Gilbert a little bit, KB and Ento, uh, a guy named Mike Tyson, which yeah, just, safety. just a polite suggestion, Change consider it. Michael. Yeah, maybe go by consider Michael. Consider Michael. Maybe um, go by Michael. Javon Looney comes out a little bit, so you're seeing some guys there. Uh, Green Bay's ensuing possession was a fumble on the kick return. That was Redding, Tio Redding, yep. who made that fumble. That's a tough situation for Redding there. Texans get the field goal off of that. At that point, it's 28-19. to A couple of punts, and then on the final drive of the game, the Texans go down and get another score. Ferguson puts it in from the one, and that puts our final score at 28-26, to which, as far as game number one for the Packers in the preseason, a bunch of takeaways, a couple of NFL-level catches yeah. by bubble-wide receivers, a couple of NFL-level throws by backup quarterbacks. We haven't talked about Dexter Williams yet. We'll talk about him a little bit after the break. But he did a good job he, he really running did. the ball. And we also got to see some guys who are really fighting for, I think, one of the Packers' most open spots right now, which is backup second-string offensive line. Yeah. So we'll get into all of that after we take a break on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Do look like aliens, and he I'm like, that's wrong. that's the point that I'm into. Yeah. That's what I'm into is that he looks like something I've never seen before on the planet Earth. I mean, I have, I have because of 
you know, this guy had a major operation, so I've yeah. like seen him with like the back half of him shaved. Yeah, it's wild. Are, yeah, they they don't look, you know, they don't like look how you expect them to. No, underneath they're the very fur. small, yeah, they're small and wrinkly, and the bones yeah. are like jutting out. Yep. Yeah, you're scary if you don't have your fur. If you don't have your coat on, you're scary. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jason. I can't pet you. Walter would look so strange if you shaved him. Walter would be a chubby boy. Wobbling around all over the place. My oh boy. grandma um, had a had, has Jonas. He's now my mom's dog. Jonas is a Pomeranian who was double the weight that he was supposed to be. Jonas, what is it with that? Jonas was a 20-pound oh. Pomeranian what is it with, who was supposed to be 8 pounds. What is it with your grandparents having big old dogs? And yeah. I use the royal, like you, you yeah. know, the, the plural you yeah. there, because that is a, a recurring theme. Well, and... they can't walk. So. Uh-huh. Uh, but Jonas, one time, uh, had a little, a little surgery, and so they shaved him. And I've never seen a dog who looked so silly. Sure. Jonas was just all fat. The entire way around. He looked like if I just pushed him a little bit, he'd just roll right over and land sure. back on his feet. Amy's uh Amy's grandparents had a had a uh, a little terrier that was just the, the, a little short hair terrier mm. that looked looked like someone had overstuffed a sausage. <laughs> yep. Like I've never seen like I've never seen hair look fat before. <laughs> this dog. Uh hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Best podcast about the Green Bay Packers and fat dogs. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellon. Said a hey. preseason week one is what we're talking about right now. I think the best way to highlight some of the guys we saw is to take a look at snap counts mm-hmm. from this game at quarterback. Of course, Kaiser goes the first half. Tim Boyle goes the third quarter. Manny Wilkins, who is a football player, He's, yeah, I'm he sure, is fourth string quarterback. Goes Goes in the fourth quarter shows. I don't think anything yeah. really worth talking about. I mean, he'll be a practice squatter, mm-hmm. but that's about it. You know, he, he he didn't complete any of his pass attempts, but he's quick, I guess. Yeah, he's he's a guy that the Packers are are taking a look at and, mm-hmm. and using using to fill some spots. Yeah, I didn't see anything worth talking about from him in the first quarter. Fourth quarter, we've talked about Kaiser and Boyle both a little bit kaiser i just again if read two turns into an aggressive decisive move even if it's not throw yeah kaiser is kaiser's the number two without a doubt yeah if read two becomes something that you can count on and becomes an aggressive move to improve your field position yeah that has to be thing number one because right now read two something weird is going to happen. It's inconsistency. Yep. It's it's and that's something Kaiser spoke about when he was talking about you know ending drives with kicks, ending drives with scores or kicks, as kind of being one of the things he was pushing for is that he feels like he's never been a consistent player across his NFL career. He feels like he's always been the guy that's turning it over, the guy that's running all the time, the guy that can't make his reads, and he's trying to push for this consistency. So if he can take that step. Over these last three preseason games, because he's going to get a lot of snaps. Learn to find some consistency in that second read. If the first read's covered up, step up, deliver something. Whether it's running for three yards or whether it's just trying to make a throw and knowing where you're going with the ball before you snap the ball. We're going to see a lot more of Kaiser, of course, coming up 
this week when they take on the Ravens. That's coming up on the 15th, so that's just another another uh, Thursday game Yep, for the Packers. That's going to be their first road game going to take on the Ravens. That running back, Dexter Williams, gets the majority of the snaps at 29. Dexter Williams, another draft pick for the Packers, got him out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I nailed that one confident in my delivery yes, of yes, the phrase yes. Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame? <laughs> Notre Dame. Notre Dame? <laughs> he comes from the church in France. Um, Dexter Williams. Yeah, pretty good. Showed why they drafted him. Yeah, quick. Looks Sharp like the, cuts. Yeah. Decisive. Um, reminded me a lot of kind of an Aaron Jones type of guy. Somebody who's, who's quick, who's making his cuts. He's not so much of a bending off these long runs and Stuff like that, but he 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 was quick. He was patient in the backfield. He was pushed the pile a couple of times. Yep, showed a little bit of strength. Packers right now hamstring injuries all around the all around the roster. Yep, uh, particularly running back one and two in Jones and Williams both both a little bit injured. Jones is back in practice this week, but Dexter Williams right now looks like a pretty pretty solid choice for a third string running back. Absolutely. Trey Carson behind him. Got some snaps. Looked very preseason average. Yeah. Another guy who pushed the pocket a couple of times. Yeah. Missed some holes. Found some holes. Denny Vitale took 11 snaps at running back. He's looks like he's going to be a fullback. Lafleur's scheme likes the fullback. Loves the fullback. Vet Denny Vitale is is very very large. Yeah. He's a big bowling ball. Vitale's a a big old bumbler, bumblebee bowling ball man. Um, outside of that. Malcolm Johnson, uh, Darren Hall, Keith Ford. We're not going to devote no, podcast time to they those guys. They get a guys. combined 14 snaps. Taking a look at wide receiver Darius Shepard, got 32 snaps. Alan Lazard, 28. Damon Moore, they put him out there a lot. He was yeah. out there for 24 snaps, was not thrown to very much. Nope, and I think he had two receptions on three targets mm-hmm. for seven yards. Yeah. Had a touchdown reception, a drop, and another unimportant reception. Well, he needs to. He needs to figure out how to translate because, just like you, everything I hear about him in practice is that he's he's taking the step. He's looking great. He's making all his plays, and then he steps into the game and he disappears. You contrast that Jamon Moore performance with Alan Lazard, who had one reception for twenty-seven yards and a touchdown on three targets, but one of those targets was a Mm forty-yard defensive pass interference play, and that still means something to the coaching staff. If you see a guy constantly getting tangled up in those deep plays, you're going, okay, some, he's he's doing something there. He's it's, messing with that cornerback. He's messing with yeah. that cornerback. He's able to get a step on him so that the cornerback knows, oh, i got to grab him to keep up. Another thing is that he sold that penalty yeah. pretty nicely. Yep. It's the James Harden move, yep, man. That wasn't the uh... most efficient play in sports is going to be the penalty or the foul. Yeah, yeah, you're not, you know, if, if you're telling Alan Lazard, like, like, don't react to the cornerback. That cornerback isn't going to bother him very much. Yeah. But if if he's trying to sell a pass interference penalty, like kind of flailing out yeah. of bounds, going to work out in your favor. He's six foot five, two twenty seven. Yeah. If he doesn't want the cornerback to affect him, he won't. Oh, we no. saw that on the Lonnie Johnson play when there's a touchdown on the when there's a touchdown in the hanging in the midst of this. Alan Zard can go up and get it when it's a ball that's maybe not catchable. He's able to ex- ex- perform the contact. He's able to, you know, put on his best player's performance, like he's in the Shakespeare Theater, and draw that penalty. And I think the I think one of the the key things that we're 
I'd like to see is I would like to see a, a series or a quarter or something where Jamon Moore is given like wide receiver one responsibilities. Like, yeah, because if be you try to involve him on something that isn't more than just a quick out or a quick slant or something like screens, that, screens. try to get try to get some of that technical ability to come because getting into the speed of the game. I mean, it's something I talk about with high school coaches yeah. all the time. College coaches will tell you the same thing. Like every level of play, players will tell you like the speed took me completely by surprise. Yeah, it's and it's kind of like it's kind of like in in basketball. If you're in a slump, you get a couple free throws, you find your stroke again, you yep. can get going. And 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 I wonder if we get Jamon Moore on a couple crossers across the middle, you know, a deep post or something. Maybe they can get some momentum rolling for him, build some confidence in a real game, and we can say see him make more plays. Right behind him in the snap count is Jake Kumaro, mm -hmm. who made exactly one or two of those plays where quick slant, he's yep. got one step of separation. Kaiser puts a very bold throw out there for him, and Kumaro snaps in. And I don't know if it was you or someone else was talking about the, the concept of late hands from Kumaro, where yeah. he's able to come out and pinpoint a good catch without having to have his hands extended the whole time. Yep, He's able to just go out there, get into good catching form, and then get it back into good receiving form yeah. very quickly. And that motion, which I don't, we don't talk about it as much as like a quick release on a throw yeah. or that sort of thing or, or footwork technique in wide receivers, but that motion of getting from running to catching back to running yes, or into the form of being tackled, very important. And Kumaro showed that he can do that incredibly well a couple yes. of times. And, and the key to this is, is that the way that a cornerback plays you when you're a wide receiver, there's really two options for them. They can play you facing you, and they're guarding you, or they can play with a hand on you watching the quarterback. And if they're watching you, they're looking to you to tip off when the ball is coming because they don't know. And now this concept of late hands is what makes Jake Kumro so good in these really smothering defensive possessions when the quarterback's all on him is that the hands are kind of lying to the cornerback about when the ball is coming. He's getting those hands out so late to catch the ball that the cornerback doesn't have time to react, and the ball is able to fit into these tight windows. If he's sticking the hands out way early to get this, the cornerback's going to stick his arms out, and he's going to swat that Deshaun Kaiser pass away because of how late Kumaro extends them. He's able to let the ball get in deep, catch the ball, bring it in, and go down. That's what made those catches possible for Jake Kumaro across the middle. He was on the NFL roster late last season after being hurt and being on yep. IR. Three more preseason games to go. A lot of stuff could happen, but boy, that's his, that's what he did in preseason game one. Is that's all I wanted to see out of yep. him? Yep, that's as good as we could have seen out of him. He he did exactly what he needs to do, which is be that kind of consistent, reliable route runner who's going to make plays along the sidelines, going to make those back shoulder catches. Equinemia St. Brown, 13 snaps. Geronimo Allison was out there for eight, didn't hear his name called. Yep, he started the game, didn't get targeted. Valdez Scantling in that same first series, uh, didn't see him very much. Of course, St. Brown, his, his biggest play was that special teams cover-up, Yep, which, big play. boy, Matt LaFleur, for a guy who's probably wide receiver three or four, yeah, in which in a pack and a Packers team is a starting wide receiver yep. for him to be gunning on special teams and to have that kind of effort and awareness on it on special teams in the preseason. It's pretty impressive. That'll you'll like that. Yeah, you'll enjoy you love that. that. 
you love that. To have a starting wide receiver put on special teams duty and make that kind of a play, it's impressive. Theo Redding to Will Davis, who is released. And Malik Taylor also played at wide receiver. Turn the page. Oh, Evan Bayless, Robert Tanyan, and Pharaoh McKeever were uh, tight ends Yep, in this game. Tanyan was the only guy who really made a great catch. Uh, I don't know that they targeted Bayless. He might have had one or two catches. I've never heard of Evan Bayless. Uh, Evan Bayless had one target, one catch, 12 yards. There you go. And I have never heard of Pharaoh McKeever, although I'm a big fan Great name. Of being named Pharaoh McKeever. Pharaoh McKeever, no catches on one target. So. This gets us to, to the major position group in this game, and I think a position group that all around did really well. Yeah. Because the pockets, for the most part, were clean, and the pressures were not, if there was pressure, it was not immediate, and it was not game-changing from the Texans. Elton Jenkins, Adam Pankey, Gerhard DeBeer, Cole Madison, Anthony Coyle, all 30 snaps or more. Alex Light and Lucas Patrick had 29. McCray played 27. Lane Taylor, one of your few presumptive starters out there with 16. And Yosh Neiman? Sure. I don't sure. know how to pronounce that. Jay. I'm going with Yosh Neiman. And Yosh Neiman had 14. But mm-hmm. Elton Jenkins, they clearly, they're, they're top drafted linemen from the last line. draft. They got a good look at him. And with Jenkins, I think one of the big reads on him coming out is that he can do a lot for you. Yep. And we saw he that can play here. a lot of different positions. He played guard and center mainly in yep. this one. Yep. And we we what we've seen in in camp is a little bit of uh Billy Taylor or Billy Turner, excuse me, playing some tackle positions, some right tackle along with some guard. Um Jenkins playing some center and some guard. We we've got a lot of offensive linemen who can swing all over the line. Yep. Play a lot of Your positions. big question of course right now is the right side of the offensive yep. line. Uh, Brian Balaga is, by all reports, healthy yeah. in training camp, ready to go once again when he's healthy and going. He's a, a B, B to B minus offensive lineman, yep. which is when, exactly what you want at right tackle. When he's when he's healthy and playing alongside David Bakhtiari, that's as good of a tackle combination yep. as you have in the NFL. Yeah, that's, that's everything you need right there. When he's not healthy, he's just not on the field, and that's... Yep. That's where the problems have been for the Packers. It's not the play of Balaga. It's the lack of play Yes, from Balaga in and that. Right now, I mean, I like seeing Justin McCray back. This team has put a lot of patience yeah. into McCray's development. I think he's rewarded them. Yeah. Uh, whether it's through very you know average or slightly below average lineman play, but also with his willingness to do anything. Anything. On the line, yeah. I, I'll CC Josh Jones on that yeah. email. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God. But he's out there getting snaps a lot. The big question is, who's your right guard? It's probably Billy Turner, but Elton Jenkins wants to say a few words about that. Yeah. And who's your uh, right tackle number two? I think that uh, Justin McCray might be interested in that yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Patrick might be interested in that job. Alex Light. Yeah. Alex Light would is be very who they interested think in that job. Might end up being in that job. But yeah, Gerard DeBeer started the game at right mm-hmm. tackle. Um, so there, there's a lot of answers and questions all over this line. And I think we're going to go into the season with a pretty deep line. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we enter the season with nine linemen, maybe ten linemen. You know, um, there's there's a lot of talent and a lot of potential on this offensive line. And it was it's just it's just nice to see. And it's an, it's an interesting thing in that 
this group is less position specific than a lot of other yes. offensive lines. They're really trying to get guys who can move around. I think you know, the, the hope is that Elton Jenkins is a rich man's Justin McCray. Yeah. And he yes. can go out there and play play every position you need him to. I think of I think of this even as far back as like JC Treader, who we saw start at right guard. Yeah. Or right tackle, I should say, for a playoff game. Yeah. And do well. They've always valued these kind of guys. So lot lot of stuff and we've got three more preseason games to yeah. look at There's offensive gonna, linemen. There's gonna be some names that we haven't heard yet. And and we don't there's no because of the new shift, like there's no cuts now until preseason game four, I think. Yep, thirty first. Thirty first. So there's there's we're gonna see all of these guys for at least the next two games. Mm-hmm. Um we're gonna see the ninety man roster for the next couple weeks here. Uh so there's gonna be a lot of snap splitting for a while now. I think it makes preseason a little bit more interesting because I think so too. you just you get that much longer of an audition time and yeah. you know it I've I've read that for coaches and scouting departments it can be very stressful because everyone gets cut at once, which means that your waiver claims and your, your free agent snatches and all that thing that you have to do becomes a nineteen hour free for all. Yeah. In which something like twelve hundred guys get cut. Yeah. And then you have to figure out which of them you want. Which of the 1,200, which are not, like, in a database, Mm -hmm. which are not, like, organized, like it's a Yeah, which are coming in via fax. Yeah, which are coming in via fax from 1982. Yes. Um, Yeah, how do you imagine the Raiders are sending that out? Smoke signal, telegraph. Well, John Gruden's just like, we're not telling anyone. Now hear this. Now hear this, I see. You have to judge based on how red John, John Gruden, Gruden is. Only uh, puts it out on AM, <laughs> on AM yeah. radio. Antonio Brown's gonna paint it onto his helmet. That's my that's my five seconds <laughs> of Antonio burn Brown it material. Into his feet. Yeah. On the defensive line, James Looney got the most yeah. snaps. This is a it's a guy whose name I've been hearing for a little while, except when it matters. Sure, like the guy that they've been working on. For yeah, he was he did all right in kind of some backup. Um, snaps last season. You know he he wasn't terrible. Um, but he he's he's nothing special. I think he's out of Cal. Um, he's he's, he's all right. He's a guy. He's a guy, a guy that exists. He's Kingsley Kiki yeah. got his first NFL action. Yeah, didn't hear his name called very much, but middle of the line guy right now. Uh, Kiki looks to be continuing the staying saying smaller. Yeah, and we talked about him having to really put on and take off a lot of weight in his college career. He's definitely in a in a smaller spot right now. We'll mm-hmm. see if they keep him there. Deion Simon, guy I've not heard of. Nope, doesn't even have a, a click link on the website. Played 40 snaps. That's awesome. Montrevious Adams got 35. A lot of them with the, the first team. Yeah. Or what passes for the first in, team out there in, in the preseason. Quotes. Yeah. Um, they really... They've really talked him up because this brings us to one of the main storylines that we haven't talked about yet is the release of Mike Daniels yeah. and the, two weeks ago. And the talk on Montrevious Adams has been that he's completely changed the game, that he's been dominating in practice, that he's been overwhelming the offensive line, that he's been remarkable. And we saw that a little bit in this game where he collapsed the pocket a few times. Uh, he looked good. He looked good. And, and you know, if, if Montrevious Adams can come out with that kind of aggressiveness and that kind of skill in the regular season, or at least over the next couple of weeks in the preseason, pretty great. You know, he he's he's been disappointing thus far in his career, and I hope that we can see a change going forward. It's been health issues with him as well, yeah. and that's been that's been one of my biggest things. Is like 
something I don't want to do as a broadcaster slash analyst is to call players disappointments when really what they are is hurt yeah. by playing the game that they really would like to play. Yeah. And that's been a thing for Adams is that I think something that compounds this issue is when you have players like Adams or Oren Burks last year who was trying to play hurt, they end up looking even worse mm -hmm. because what they're really trying to do is go out there and play At while 75%. hurt. And then it ends up making them look even furtherly disappointing when I don't know that we've I don't know that we've 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 gotten to see what Adams is capable of doing at hundred percent. I hope we do. Yeah. Uh Tyler Lancaster played twenty two snaps. He remains gigantic. Yeah, he's a he's you like saw six, him move seven, the middle right? a couple of times. Olive Stagapolu. Hmm? I I like to reverse that, but I'm not going to <laughs> this time. I was practicing saying that before you got here, and you see my first attempt at it. It's okay. It went fine. Olive Sagapoli played five snaps. Um, sure. I've never heard of him, but uh, your main story there is um, they let Mike Daniels go, yeah. which to me is maybe part of a bigger thing. It's part of a bigger house cleaning. Yeah. A house cleaning that included Nick Perry, that included Randall Cobb, that included Clay Matthews. That it a lot of it's guys. Yep, a lot of guys who were you know if you were gonna take a picture of the Packers top five guys for a cereal box or a insurance commercial. Yeah. Last uh, for the last four seasons, there's one of those guys left. Yep. And he's the he's the best one yeah. out of those. Yeah, he's the best one. And I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna start this tangent now in the middle sure, of snap so. counts. In that I think that all this tabloid BS about like is Aaron Rodgers a prima donna? Are him and Matt Lafleur feuding? I have I've dismissed a lot of that, but I've given credence to some of it in the fact that this new regime and new management, Brian Gutkunz now combined with Matt Lafleur have systematically eliminated all the other veterans that were standing next to Aaron Rodgers on that cereal box. Yeah. And that's, it's not a conspiracy if it's happening yeah. in front of your eyes. Yep. And I think that what it is isn't, I don't think it's so much of a comment on Aaron Rodgers as it is a comment on Mike McCarthy mm -hmm. and his willingness to get a bunch of veterans between the ages of 28 and 32 on big, secure NFL contracts, and to let them set the tone. Yeah. I think they did a very poor job of that. Yes. And I think that the idea of McCarthy doing that as a coaching philosophy is also... Silly. Also silly in that I think it misjudges the characters of these guys a little bit. Yeah. Particularly a guy like Mike Daniels, who seems to be one of the nicest guys in football, but not, like particularly bloodthirsty or you know leadership oriented no and there was some reports out of the locker room when mike daniels left that like mike daniels and his kind of aggressive you know in your face he's a very jovial nice guy off the field but when he's on the field in practice he's very like in your face aggressive like we need to win or else the world's gonna end like play like you or play like death is on your doorstep kind of crazy ass shit was starting to grow like thin with a lot of the younger guys on the Packers roster and I understand why like that's not well we talked a, a lot as last season came to an end and through the playoffs but I think the change has to be is that 
you're no longer asking guys like Aaron Rodgers to coach the team. Yeah. But there has to be a reestablishment of who coaches and who plays. Mm-hmm. In that, like, the, the problem is, in fact, that Rodgers is always, like, after plays, he's pointing at his receivers and rolling his eyes. Yeah. In that, like, someone else is supposed to be yelling at those receivers. Yeah. It's not Who's doing be, that? It's not supposed to be Aaron Rodgers. Who is he now. trying to carry the water for? Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's to me, the biggest question that LaFleur can answer is that, like, is he willing to, you know, be a leader who takes responsibility for his staff, who then takes responsibility for the play of their position groups? Yeah. Because that clearly didn't happen. It did not happen at all nope. last season. Outside linebackers, you saw Randy Ramsey, who is a guy. Kyler Fackrell, who is back, playing 33 snaps. Uh, Fackrell now... I think is in the position that the Packers need him to be in, which in that yeah. he's be- he's behind two Smiths yep. and a Gilbert, yeah, and a Gary, Erishon Gary, yeah. Um, the broadcast team of Lofton and Kevin Harlan, yeah, uh, who is let's say this again, the best, yeah, broadcaster on television and radio in both football and basketball. They were really watching Gary yeah. through through his first series. Gary's played 32 snaps. He played in the first and second quarters. They were really watching Rashawn Gary. And while he didn't have any like great breakthrough sunshines moments, a lot of what you talked about from him was evident immediately. One, that he's almost too fast. Yeah. He's almost too fast and too athletic for mm-hmm. the world. He was almost always getting chipped on, double teamed this whole game. I mean, there, there were points where Rashawn Gary would come off the edge, he'd get chipped by a tight end, he'd run right into a tackle, he'd get past the tackle, he'd get chipped by a running back, and then the play's over. I saw a lot of it as well in that, like, they were frequently trying to get Gary to overcommit. Yep. Another thing that the Texans and Joe Webb are absolutely good enough to do is to game plan around, like, Gary's over-aggressiveness yeah. in preseason game number yeah. one. Rookie. They taught him some lessons. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they, they keyed on they keyed on the rookies playing in their first preseason game mm-hmm. against the Packers and they found some success doing it. But yeah, to me, Gary, the matter I think the problem that he's going to face for a while is that he's gonna get tied up by guys who are bigger than him yep. and who know how to tie him up. And yep. it's clear that he's got the talent he's got all to the, solve that problem yeah but he has to learn how he's got all the talents and the athleticism and the speed and all that he just has to learn the techniques yep and he, he's still pretty raw there but it, it could come he's got all the strength and all the athleticism in the world as a I, and but just even from preseason game one he looks like a guy that if i'm facing third down and 12 Scary. If if yeah, it, it, it's if if it's a situation where you're going to be in the pocket for four seconds, yeah, they're, uh-uh. they're playing no. Rashawn Gary's you're music. Chip, get you're yeah. chipping on Rashawn Gary. You're yep. sending that tight end. You're chipping with the running back. You're scared as hell of Rashawn Gary because if there's a play where it comes down to, oh, it's not even just technique. It's strength and stamina and speed. It's over for it's over. I think that another thing that you see in that outside linebacker pass rusher position group. Mm-hmm is that a guy like Rashawn Gary is a wonderful compliment to both of the Smiths in that they are larger. Yeah. And they are guys who, in passing situations, 
can become part of that defensive end yeah. rotation, especially in that wide 3-4 yeah. that we've seen become so yeah, popular. Where they're in lined up in like a 7 or a 9 mm-hmm. tech, like way spread out. Yeah. yeah, Gary becomes even more useful in that he can be out there with some of the veterans at his own position, mm-hmm. especially in passing downs. Um, Reggie Gilbert saw some time. I made a special note of, of Gilbert. Just the question mark is like, if you've got two Smiths, a Fackrell, and a Gary, about time for Reggie Gilbert, yeah, to uh, step up, to step up, yeah, and I and I think I think that Reggie Gilbert was kind of a rotation guy last year, but as the year kind of went on, started to play more and more snaps, and I think the key really for this Packers, you know, pass rush room, this outside linebacker room, is Kyler Kyler Fackrell and Reggie Gilbert need to be rotational guys. Rashad Gary can play can play a little bit more, but should also be a rotational guy. The key to this whole room is Zedarius Smith and Preston Smith playing most snaps, playing first and second down at least, and bringing these guys in, these Gilberts, these Fackrells, these Garys, in on a rotation basis and keeping them fresh. I think one of the things that I, I took for granted and we're seeing now is, as it relates to Preston Smith is that I think he played for probably the worst pro football situation out there. We've yep. seen that with the – the current situation with their lineman, yeah, that is uh, that is refusing to come to camp with Suak Cravens, who is one of the best secondary guys, yeah, best young safeties, yeah, best young safeties in the league, refusing to play for the Redskins, yeah. And I apologize for saying no, it's Redskins okay. twice Washington because that's football team. that's absurdly racist. Um, but coming to a organization that, by all measures, is better than Washington, yeah. Is probably gonna it's better gonna than do like the worst shit show in the for NFL a player right. that is already very good. Yeah, and, yeah. And I really look forward to getting a look at Preston Smith. Zadarius Smith got more ink yeah. when they signed him, but Preston Smith, by all accounts, might end up being the better and more versatile yeah. player. The more versatile, I think, I think will be key. There is, is Preston Smith is great in dropping into coverage. Preston Smith's great as kind of a roaming, tackling guy, but he's also a really solid and efficient pass rusher at inside linebacker we talked about ty summers james crawford seeing some time out there i think yeah. james crawford has been one of the surprises for the packers yeah over the last couple special of years. teams yeah. a great contributor on special teams teaching in the inside linebacker game yeah especially with oren burks now is going to be important yeah when we great talk chance. about who is going to take snaps next to martinez crawford has a chance to uh to really play for a future starting spot. Yeah, I think it comes down to Summers, Crawford, and Bolton there. Mm-hmm. Brady Shelton is a person who exists, and of course we talked about Oren Burks. He played six snaps, and then his season came to an end. That sucks. Oh my goodness. Uh, Natrell Jamerson got the most snaps at safety. Uh, we don't really talk about Jamerson very much. He really he got an extended look. Yeah. Hackney Packing Company didn't really think that he had a very good game. I didn't see him having the best game, I no. I think at 55 snaps for a guy that is not competing for a starting spot, you're going to see those kind of mistakes. Yeah. yeah, is 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 he's not just a safety; he's a safety cornerback hybrid, and you know he's just not a very physical guy. He's he's going to try and make some plays on the ball, but he's just not like good enough to make that play. He's a great eighth or ninth defensive back. 
uh, more than that, I don't see him making anything on this yep. roster. I don't see him getting major snaps once we hit the regular season. Will Redmond had a great fumble recovery. Yep. Trey Matthews is a person who exists. Raven Green got 24 snaps. Raven Green will make Raven Green gets a lot of press. He yeah. he looks he looks good. He's got the pet and attitude. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson should change his name to Michael yeah. Tyson. And Darnell Savage played the first series. We didn't call his name. Um, I hope he's good. He's yeah. healthy through his first training camp. That now is yeah. good. Now he's healthy. I'm excited to see yep. how he goes. He's gonna he's gonna take some 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 time before I think he's he's maybe playing more snaps in a preseason game. I think it might be the third preseason game when we finally see him playing maybe a full quarter. Shannon Sullivan got the most snaps at cornerback. We've talked about him. File him along with Natrell Jamerson. Kavian Ento got 52 snaps at mm-hmm. cornerback. Was involved a lot. Yeah. A, a guy who, you know, we're going to get to some of the some of the more important names on this list down in the 30 and 20 snap ranges, mm-hmm. like Kadar Holman and Tony Brown. But Kavian Ento is, uh, I think Looks he's good. keeping the burner warm underneath guys like Holman and Brown. Yeah. And Kavianento, another one of those wide receiver yep. converts to cornerback, um, which also the Packers just signed. Another one, um, not Derek White, because that's the Spurs player. I think it's. No, they got a guy. It was they recent. got a guy. It's what's his dang name? What's Derek his Jones. Name Derek Jones. Derek Jones from the Jets, former wide receiver, converted to cornerback. He played, I think, four games last year for the Jets. Um, decent. Maybe a chance to make the roster. Just a freakishly athletic guy with some good ball skills who's pretty rough. Talked about Kadar Holman. Made a great undercut on a bad throw by Joe Webb. Got his his first interception of his yeah. pro career. It's not going to count but because it's preseason, but still. Sure, it, you know, it's a play. Good, yeah, good start for Kadar Holman. Tony Brown. Yeah. Uh, got to see him out there. He was in the mix a little bit. Um, Tony Brown, time to, you know, Last year, the mission was stop committing penalties. This year, the mission is going to be tackle with your arms because yep. this ain't college. Yep. <laughs> These you receivers. Can't, you can't lay them out. Yeah. Wrap them up. No one's going to get laid out by you. Yep. Uh, Tony Brown, I think, could make a push to be the third cornerback on this team. I think he's for sure the fourth cornerback on this team right now, I guess. They, they, um, they, they, they liked him when he came in. They continue to like yeah. him now. And he's, you know, he's got that 4-3-7 speed. He's got mm-hmm. that aggressiveness and that speed that Mike Pettin loves yep. on this defense, that Ryan Gutkunst build in a cornerback. He's got pretty good ball skills, and he can really just shut you down in man coverage. And I think that's the strength of Tony Brown, and I think he's going to see a lot of snaps next year. Kevin King? Didn't see him today. Hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, Gutkunst has said publicly that it's minor and they're not concerned, which... Okay. If if this was a player who had played regularly in his first two seasons, I'd say right. I would believe. Yeah. I'm less inclined to believe it now, but um, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, which is the actual way of saying the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. But the proof it's of the pudding the is in the eating. The action of yes. doing the pudding. So we'll see with Kevin King because uh, the public, the public statements from the Packers about Kevin King have all been positive. Yeah, I mean, when he plays, he's exceptional. You know, they're not talking about Josh Jones as much as they possibly can. Yeah. But they willingly talk about Kevin King. So, yeah. to me, that tells me that that they there's still confidence going forward. And, again, like a, a good player who gets hurt trying to play the game that he wants to play. Yeah. Like, it's tough. 
it's it makes it tough as a fan. You can't be upset at it. Yeah, can't be upset at it. Uh, Nadir Rouse played twenty six snaps. Sure, sure. Uh, and on special teams, you saw uh, Sam Ficken make a couple of extra points. Yeah, he is ostensibly Mason Crosby's competition. Crosby, even though apparently he's had a uh, quad strain in in recent weeks mm-hmm. in camp, nailed a couple of uh, forty plus yard field goals. Yeah. Um, Crosby is probably going to make the roster. Yeah, he will probably be the kicker this year. Um, that's my that's my snap count and a lot of our discussion. Yeah, along with it, I made a couple of notes. Sure. During the game, um, here's a note about how sure hard it must be to be one of Kevin Harlan and Lofton's spotters. Okay. In the booth. Yeah. Because, especially in preseason, these guys in the booth who are most likely watching TV monitors the whole time, they don't just magically know the name of every player at the bottom of the pile. Mm-hmm. They have someone over their shoulder or pointing out on a pad or something yeah. where it'll flash up who the tackle was. So they know uh, as soon as it's, they see it to it, say it. It's hard to see the number from them. Yeah. yeah. It's, so they have spotters yeah. who, are, who are somehow getting who are, to them. Who are giving the, like the line, the, 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 the yard that they were tackled at, name, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Well, we have it a little bit in high school when you get the three-man crews as well. Yeah. Your stat keeper can uh, can flash you hand signals and such. But being a spotter in a preseason NFL game. That's got to be so hard. Where some players have the same number. Yeah. <laughs> where where some people are wearing number eight and playing offensive line. And you're like, what? But also I want to shout out Kevin Harlan for because uh, especially on some of these uh, these quick catches and the touchdowns, the one for, to Lazard and the one to Shepard. Yeah. He was on them, yeah, yeah, without having to be told. And can you believe how big of a moment that is for Alan Lazard or for one of these guys mm-hmm. who might not make the roster, who might not make the team, but will forever have Kevin Harlan giving them, them a great big call, giving them a great call, giving them yeah. a great call for their only, you know, pro- probably their only touchdown, you know, and and that's got to be a lot of fun. It's it's great to see somebody who's probably the best in the game right now giving a full effort for a preseason game. You know, it's it's preseason for them, too. I, I, I get a laugh because James Lofton, his partner, is a, uh, a a pro and a Hall of Famer, and also he's a good color commentator. Yeah. But, you know, we, the preseason broadcast crews are all team, you know, home team specific. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a network crew. Harlan, when he does that, is working as a freelancer for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Lofton's next to him. And instead of like a shirt and tie attitude, it kind of has a, a team polo shirt attitude. Yeah. Yep. And Lofton in particular does things to Harlan that his his pro color guys next to him don't do. Yeah. Be like, hey, what's your favorite part about bowling? Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> like Lofton wants to make an analogy he's been thinking of all summer. Yeah. And he needs Kevin Harlan to like, Play into it to play it, yeah. <laughs> and I really appreciate that aspect of the those broadcasts because because I'm never going to hear Kevin Harlan slightly at a loss for words, even for half a second. Yeah, at any other time than watching Packers preseason, he's he's going to not be at a loss for words until. Yeah. And it reminds me of a situation that I had working softball for Radio DePaul Sports from. I'm sitting next to uh, Megan Waldron, and we're just like calling the game. And then she goes, "What's your favorite song?" <laughs> and yeah, it was just like 
just that great uh, yeah yeah just i don't know and you just get get that moment of like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not about softball yeah oh god i remember we were i was calling a softball game once with um ryan witchery and he posed the question of what do you like more red line or brown line and i was like um, <laughs> learn how to be uh, ready uh, uh, this guy's hitting right now this girl's hitting right now he's like no which one and i was like ah brown line <laughs> yeah, I, I just that's the kind of thing that it makes broadcasting fun when you're sitting next to yeah. people who are who have like a good attitude and are going to like do things do things that are out of the ordinary or or catch you catch you catch you off guard because that like it keeps you sharp, it keeps you fresh, yeah. and you know, yeah, the listener at home gets to go like, huh? These these people are fun. They have actual yeah. personalities. So that was yeah, that was that was a blast. I love I love hearing Kevin Harlan even momentarily get slightly off of his tripped game up. yeah tripped yeah. up i mean because it's it sucks when it's pat mcafee as the third man in the booth doing that to yeah. actual professionals on a real game yeah on a real game a packers lions at the end of last season was not a real game no. <laughs> i will not let that stay <laughs> all right uh coming up next week or this thursday actually it's going to be packers ravens oh boy i'm gonna i'm gonna have to catch that one on the replay, I want to plug what I've got coming up. If you are a fan of Indiana high school football, follow me every Friday night uh, starting on the 23rd. Uh, as the voice of the Penn Kingsman, I'm on WGCS. You can listen to our games at globeradio.org, mm. where uh, we're streaming live worldwide on Globe Radio. Uh, the Penn Kingsmen are a very good football team, and we're going to have pre-game or pre-season coverage that you can find at rsn.com that's two r's an s and an n starting this thursday night where we're doing a northwest indiana football preview and then also monday night of next week we're going to be doing a region football preview mm. so a little bit closer to chicago for the region a little bit further away for northwest indiana but uh, check out regional radio sports network i'll be uh doing my first season of football play-by-play there fun um exciting yeah yeah this is this is big time stuff but yeah thursday night i'm going to be doing a uh, a football preview so i'm going to have to uh have to catch up on uh packers ravens as we go but we're going to come to you next week with another episode uh we took two months off but we're back yeah yeah this this podcast is still alive it's not going anywhere uh we're doing our second season here with, and we're uh, ready to rumble with things so yeah check us out we'll be publishing monday or tuesday at the latest wednesday in the event of a monday night game for uh for all the games through the season we'll be back with you next week with episode 44 talking about packers ravens matt melham said something about cheese uh stay cheesy baby all right <laughs>